Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, grove.church. Yeah, so we'd love for you to join us as we read and discuss the Bible together. Uh, if you have questions along the journey with us, we would love for you to send them in uh, to us and you can send it in via two ways. One, via an email. If you just jump on your email, type out info.grove.church in the address line and then in the subject line put a let's read the bible podcast question uh we will get those questions directly to us and we're able to spend time as much as we can week over week uh, answering those questions if an email doesn't work for you we do have a facebook page we are the grove church in marysville washington or washington state and so you can give us a thumbs up if you want like us but also send us a dm and we get those questions there as well so boom like, there you go today our question came in from an email so Ooh. for those of you who are like anticipating emails still exist they yes have, they do email it's funny with when you talk to um because i'm so i do i don't know if we've said this really much on the podcast but i do a lot of the creative stuff here at the church um and so when you look at data of what church's most effective modes of of communication are it's almost always email and you never think of it that way but it's just like it's funny how it's kind of this outdated technology in a lot of people's minds but it really is just super effective well but stuff. i even think though in that like total side note rant rabbit trail kind of thing but i think it's also a lot of times the communication of what's effective caters to younger generations when the reality is we're not just reaching younger generations. So sure. it makes total sense that an email would be the primary and most effective way, but um, well, we always highlight and emphasize other ways. And today on the podcast, we'll be talking about church communication. So for yeah. all so, of you For those of you who've been reading the in, Bible with us. Uh, no, today we are kidding. talking about the book of Haggai, Haggai, Haggai. Or however you say There's it. There's a lot. Of, I mean, this is one. That's of the, the real question is how do you actually pronounce this dude's name? This is one of the few books where I don't like, I feel like there's a debate between Habakkuk and Habakkuk. And I always say Habakkuk. And I'm like pretty strong on that. Yeah. But this one, I mean, dude, I, I have no idea. Haggai, Haggai. Whatevs. Hag but we're talking about him today. Really good book. Short yes. one. Second yes. shortest book of the Old Testament I found out. So, and we've already done the shortest. That's Obadiah. Yep. So our tour of the minor prophets continues. continues. Uh, which dun, dun, dun. I think we're running up on, I think by the time this year is over, we will have done all the minor prophets between, in, in previous years as well. Because this year, or not this year, this week we were debating, do we want to do Haggai or Zechariah? Um, but then we realized we had already done a Zechariah episode yeah. last year. So boom, that's why. So Haggai went out. Boom. Uh, as far as resources we're using today, we've got the ESV Study Bible, Expositor's Bible Commentary, Reformation Study Bible, The Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates, and oh my gosh. There's a new one. We're cheating on Ed and Gary. No, we're complimenting and Ed also and Gary. Using, we're also using Encountering the Old Testament by Bill T. Arnold and Brian E. Byer. So I'm assuming that is that your Old Testament that's, survey that's book? That's my Old Testament survey nice. book, bro. He went to Northwest University. I yes. went to Liberty University. Yes. So we have different different textbooks, but in some respects, some of the textbooks are similar. But yeah, what's that one that is it walking? What's the one about Bible reading that every school uses? I can't remember now. Grasping God's Word. Oh, that, you had to use that one. Yeah, every, Dude, everyone of everyone I've ever met who's gone to Bible school, no matter what the school is, they have that textbook. That's so hilarious. that one's free. I don't know the author. I had to but, use it for like biblical exegesis. Is what I did. Yeah, that was the class. So. Or if you weren't a ministry major, it was Bible study and interp, but you still use the same book. So Ooh, there you go. All Don't right. ask me why. So uh, a quick, oh, also a quick technical note. So last week, Apple Podcast was being really weird. So our Nahum episode didn't post. What? So I had to go back and post it, uh, post a duplicate, and then it posted both. And then I deleted one. 
So if you were like, hey, I didn't see an episode, go back and check. It should be up now. If it's not up for you, like email in because I we would like to know that because that's kind of we want to make sure that thing. podcast is up. Um, but if you go on the web, if our, on our website, grove.church, if you go there, the the episode is for sure there. It was just Apple Podcasts specifically being wacky. So you can't see this, but I'm totally raging right now. No, I'm just kidding. Well, and I was raging uh, because the Lord of the Rings podcast I listened to <laughs> had the same thing happen to them. And I had to go to Spotify to listen to it. So Spotify. Oh, who does gosh. Spotify anymore? Just threw off my numbers. But anyway, so if you're wondering where our Nahum episode was or the episode from last week, last week, that is where it's at. Yeah, so I promise we're going to talk about Hagar today, just so you guys know. Well, now we're going. All See, right. I told you. This will come as no surprise to you, dear listeners, but we don't know much about Haggai the man or Haggai what? the man. Yep. So as we're all- just following the trend. Pretty much all the minor prophets, except for Jonah and Hosea, we don't really know- A lot about, yeah. A lot about. We know some, we know more about some than others. Um, Haggai, we know basically like the, it's Obadiah situation where it's just like, then the word of the Lord came to this guy. All right. So, but, um, where we don't, well, I guess the one thing we do know, and this is mentioned in all three of the book introductions I was reading, his name means festal, which leads many to believe that he was born during one of Israel's festivals, (laughs) or perhaps his name kind of hints at the return of the festivals after the temple is rebuilt. So, you know, who knows, but that's, you know, at this point we're kind of grasping. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Whatever we can do. Uh, when it comes to dates, however, this is about as exact as you can get. And this is the funniest and craziest thing in the world. So, Haggai does us a massive favor and he puts dates with all of his prophecies. I don't know why more prophets don't do this because it would just be so convenient. But so he has four oracles that come down. The first one, it literally says on the first day of the sixth month of the second year of the reign of King Darius, which would be August 29th, 520 BC. We literally have the exact date that this prophecy uh, was spoken. And then the final, he names all of them, but we're not going to go through the dates of all of them. The last one is the 24th day of the ninth month of the same year. So it's December 18th, 520. So between August 29th and December 18th, Haggai has four Oracles, yep. and we know the exact date for all of them. How crazy is that? Yeah. So, and I'm doing two things right now. I'm counting how many times Evan changes the pronunciation. It's of happened the name. a few times already. Uh, and then, uh, secondly, I'm counting how he d- differently pronounces other names too, like Darius instead of Darius. So that's fun. Did I say I did say Darius, didn't I? <laughs> Darius. Yeah. You know, once you're thrown off, you're thrown off for the whole day. I'm, I'm waiting how you're going to pronounce the the leader that you're going to. The, the... Zerubbabel. Yeah. Zerubbabel. <laughs> oh man. Now now my mind is just. It's all, it's all twisted. It's going happy Thursday, crazy. everybody. But you're listening to this on Sunday, so happy Sunday. All right. Uh, at, so at, yeah, at this time when I'm going to go Haggai, I'm just going to stick with Haggai. That's what I'm going to do. Or yeah, Haggai. right. Yeah, right. Haggai. Haggai. Anyway, at this time, Zerubbabel has led a remnant of Jews back in Jerusalem. Um, if you remember from our intertestamental period, not intertestamental, our um, exilic period episode that we did. He's kind of like the first guy to bring in a lot of the Jews yeah. back to Jerusalem. And then he's, of course, followed by Ezra and Nehemiah are the two leaders of like that kind of second big group. Yeah, that comes and they get, they get the most fame. Zerubbabel gets lost in well, their shadow, you know, but if he he's wanted, the one that leads them. If he wanted fame, he should have written a book of the Bible. So <laughs> I feel like he has, that. he has no one to blame but himself. Ouch. But Or God, but anyways. There, it is funny to think that there's an alternate reality where Zerubbabel did write a, uh, a book of the Bible and then that name like Ezra and Nehemiah also is just a name that we use to, for our kids today. And you could just have kids like, Hey, Zeru. Hey, 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 bubble. I don't know. 
Anyway. I think you just lost half our listeners. So back uh, on track. So he leads, so this guy, Zerubbabel, he leads people back into Jerusalem and they begin the rebuilding of the temple, which is really great. However, uh, due to a bunch of, there's really a bunch of different reasons that this happened, but the stall, the building of the temple gets stalled for about 16 years. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point that Haggai and Zechariah, uh, Zechariah being the other prophet who is um, um, ministering at the same time, I think, I believe is the book right after Zechariah, Haggai. No, right before. Wait, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. No. Right after, because it's Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Yep, good job. Anyway, all right. He's right after. So you'll be reading that one right after. Anyway, just know that they're ministering at basically the exact same yeah. time. Uh, so they deliver the word that Yahweh has. And basically, he's just like, hey, you know, get back on that bad boy. Like that that temple's not finished. Let's, fin- let's finish it up. Okay, guys? So uh, also, interestingly, the book is written in prose instead of poetry. So, and what that means is, you know, most poetic books, it's stanzas. Mm-hmm. So you see like, it, there's kind of a rhythm to it. Um, Haggai is just straight up the text. So Word, vom- word vomit. Word vomit as, <laughs> as you will, but uh, not word vomit, but. Yeah. He's just, he just throws the text out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting there. Most prophetic books are not written. He probably didn't have good style. rhythm. That's probably why. Maybe he wasn't a rhythmic guy. Uh, and then the book breaks down really easily into four sections. The reason for that is because he has literally four separate oracles that he gives. So it's really, I don't know. I also don't know. Why is the book not four chapters? It's two chapters. And the first chapter is the first oracle. And then the second chapter is the next three. And I get the chapters would be really short, but that doesn't stop yeah. like Psalm 117 is a chapter. Like, well, well, remember though too, like chapters were given way after the fact. Right. Like, but he, I mean, he just wrote, he just wrote them out. Well, yeah. So not, Hey, I'm not saying Haggai did it, but well, the like, canon, right? Yeah. Whoever, uh, whoever put in the chapters, who's reading this book? And they got thinking, lazy, bro. Yeah. Listen, this is a minor prophet that's deep in the minor prophet. They probably, they just finished it's Isaiah. It's a short book. They just finished <laughs> they just Isaiah. Finished Isaiah. like, ah, whatever. Listen, let's do two chapters. All righty. Well, anyway, uh, so that organizes nicely for us. And then our, I put in the notes, our, our masters of alliteration are added again. As in the essence of the Old Testament book, these sections are rebuking, recharging, ruling, and reigning. So, Ed or Gary, whichever one of you did thank, that. Thank you, sir. Good work. So, I am nothing if not a fan of a good alliteration. It's true. Let me tell you. Uh, and just and just so one of the things that that, that I really appreciate about what uh, one of the commentaries that we that I read um, specifically was the expositors. Um, they break it down. I was telling Evan this beforehand, but they break it down at the very beginning when they're introducing the book into like categories, but they highlight like the theological values. And there's there's three things I want to say in this. One, Evan's going to try and Is steal my quote. That's not the charging. <laughs> no, actually, uh, no. But one of the things that uh, that I thought was really interesting, as just a just kind of a side note, um, was that they they referred to Haggai as more of a historical book than a theological book, uh, which I think can be kind of controversial because it's like, well, it's theology. Yeah, but the content is more historical in the sense of the rebuilding of the temple and things like that. Which is, so I thought it was an interesting take and uh, perspective on Haggai specifically. Uh, but the other thing too, um, and this was this was fun for me to read because it's challenging. Um, but this is because the temple and this I should, probably should have said this a, f- a couple of statements ago. But uh, but because the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and the whole idea was to rebuild the temple. Um, Haggai's part of Haggai's rebuke, especially at the very beginning, is you've, as God's people, you've been more concerned with building your own houses that you've left the house of God in ruin, hmm. um, which was really interesting. Um, that he put, I mean, the way the commentary says it is his opening charge is that the people of God had put their concerns before God's. They finished building their own houses, but had let the program of reconstruction on God's house lapse, uh, which was really 
you'll see that as we break down the book a bit. And as you read through it, you're going to see this rebuke of you're more concerned with yourself than you are with God uh, and God's desires and God's heart and God's will. Um, and then the other thing too, um, in chapter two, we see, this is the statement that I told Evan he was going to steal thunder on. Um, but one of the things that Haggai asserts, which I thought the was such a that good- just came into my head. <laughs> it just came in. Um, is he just, he t- and he's speaking specifically to the priests in this moment, uh, which is profound and, and important to realize that. But it also is speaking to like, not just God's people, but humanity at large. Um, and this is the quote that the expositor says. It says, Haggai asserted that sin was more contagious than righteousness. Oh, good quote. Um, and I just, like, when I read that, I was like, that's so good. Like, that's tweetable. Um, if they had Twitter back in the damn sure, that would have been tweeted and retweeted and liked and commented on all day. Um, but it's just one of the, some of the things that Haggai is addressing when it comes to the theological side of things. Like, these things are important. Like, God's, God's house, God's will, God's priorities are more important than our own. And the day we pursue things that we want versus the things that he wants there's an issue. Mm-hmm. And Haggai's calling God's people out on that. Then he's calling the priests out talking about, and how true is this? Sin is far more contagious. It's um, true. And, and obviously it's, it's, it's a reality that I think is so important um, to, to remember as we're, as you jump into the book and read through it. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely those two thoughts when it comes to theological values is really, really challenging and profound. Um, but I just want to share those before yeah. we break down the book because it's kind of an overarching reality we'll find. The inside joke, by the way, if you feel left out, is when we were, right before we started recording, we were talking about this episode and Aaron was like, hey, I found this really good quote in a commentary. And then I was like, I'm just going to say it and pretend that it was my quote. And so, and so I had to jump in here real quick. Just teasing prevent though, him from doing that. I would not deceive you in such a way to your listeners. All That's right. true. So let's get to our first section. This is chapter one, uh, all of chapter one. So rebuking, we're going to call it. So Haggai's first word is presented to Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest. Also, I should have said this before, the book is short enough. We're just going to basically read the whole thing today. Um, We're cutting out a few verses here and there just to kind of, like I said, we can recap it a little bit easier. But for the most part, we're actually just going to read the whole thing. So Haggai chapter one, verses two through 11 says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Getting at what Aaron was talking yep, about, right? That's the rebuke. They've you got panels on your houses and the temples, you know. Still in ruins. Oh my gosh. You idiot. Come on, Israelites. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so does so to put them in the bag in a bag with holes, which is a great picture. Uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hill and bring wood and build the house that I might take pleasure and and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you bought it, brought it home, it blew away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have held have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and new wine and the oil, not old wine. Notice that that is, it's just the new wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, on what the grounds brings forth and on man and beast and on all of their labors. All right. So this is the first, this is the rebuke. This yeah. is this is as harsh as God's going to get. Um, which, which, is, which is so different than Nahum. Yep. <laughs> it's really, it's just like, you think of Nahum last week of just like, the, I am against you, declares the Lord. <laughs> like nothing can stop what's yep. coming for you. Like that. This is just like, hey guys, let's get, come on. 
Get back to work. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you building your own houses instead of building the temple? Mm -hmm. Come on. You know better than that. And they do know better than that uh, because interestingly, this is how they respond. Then Zerubbabel, the son of, this is uh, verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of, oh, I should have looked up that one. I'm going to go. Shiltiel. Shiltiel. Perfect. And Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, and the Lord, their God had sent them and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit, and the, sorry, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Boom. So... I mean, here's the deal. Most prophetic books, this isn't how it goes. No. God's just like, hey, guys, you're missing the mark here. You should get back to doing this. And the people are like, you know what? You're right. My bad. Yeah. And they, just, and they, <laughs> and they do it. So this is- Okay. Man, if, only all, if only so much of Israel's history was like this, where God would just like, the first time that God rebukes for something, they're just like, oh, you know what, God? You're absolutely right. We repent. My bad. We're going to go do this now. Yeah. So it doesn't happen that yeah. way most of the time. But in Haggai, it does. Well, but it's, and it's interesting too, because he, you know, Haggai is communicating like, Hey, here's the things you are pursuing. You've sown much, but harvested little, like you've, you put on clothes, but you're not, you, you don't stay warm. And then he asked the question, why? And I think that that's, that's a big deal too. Like why declares the Lord? Because my house, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Right. And it's interesting because it's not God, God is not concerned with their prosperity and their, their, you know, material well being. He's, he cares about them being fulfilled and satisfied um, but the problem is because they have not honored and prioritized the Lord right. and his house. And, and it's not like we come to church and do church and we're good, but it is this idea and reality for us today. Like, am I prioritizing God's will, God's purposes and staying within alignment of that because there's blessings and provision and obedience. When we don't stay obedient to that, then we're robbed of the blessing of God because there's no reason we right. don't, we're not, we don't like, we're not earning it. We don't deserve it. There's grace that we don't deserve that, but there is favor and, obe and blessing when it comes to obedience. Well, and what, that's the picture. Yeah. What you're seeing is, is really people who are more excited to return home than they are excited to return to worshiping Yahweh the way that he's commanded. It's kind and of- that'll the, preach. So they also, I was going to say, um, as we talk about, like, if only so much of Israel's history was like this, we do have to remember that- um, all of this is within the context of their fathers and grandfathers saw Jerusalem burn. So there, there is this kind of idea where yeah. for a long time, God was saying, repent, turn back from what you're doing. And they're kind of like, ah, nothing's ever going to happen. And then it happens. And so now, because again, we talked about this in the intertestamental period episode, I think, um, but as well as the exilic, exilic period, you really do not hear any about any struggle worshiping other gods after the exile. Like once God is full on kicked them out and then brought them back in, there's no like, you know, maybe we should turn back to Baal or Asher. Like, nope, it's gone. Like yeah. it's the people of Israel are decidedly monotheistic from here on out. And that's yep. kind of and that's what we see in Jesus' day as well. And this is kind of the start of that. So yep. anywho, so that happened. Uh next section, recharging. This is chapter two, verses one through nine. 
the second word was not just for Zerubbabel and Joshua. So in the first one, it specifies that say this to these people. This one also says, and to the remnant of everyone there. So there you go. This is also much more encouraging than the first one. Like I said, not a rebuke. This yeah. one is, uh, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as is it not as nothing in your eyes? And so that's kind of getting at, you know, those of you who remember it, I don't think anyone would have remembered the temple because it was 75 years that they're gone. If they didn't remember seeing it, they, they definitely heard about it. Right. I mean, they definitely heard about the glory of the temple and how magnificent it was and things like that if they didn't see it. But yeah. there might've been, I mean, there might've been a small few that have seen it, but. Yeah. You can get some people who are pretty old, I yeah. guess, who were We kids. can speculate a little yeah. bit. But. I should have looked up how long the exile was. That was my bad. I, I should know it, but I just don't have it in front of me. Uh, anyway. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Jehozad. Yeah, that's actually right. The high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for the Lord of for thus says the Lord of hosts. Yet once more in a little while I will shake heavens. I shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former glory, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Well, a lot of Lord of hosts in there. Yeah. There you go. And basically, it's just encouraging them as saying like, hey, as you're doing this, here's what I am going to do to bless you, which is a really cool, again, the tone of this book is so, it's it's a nice change of pace from Nahum last week. Um, and I put in the notes, it's kind of like Yahweh is just cheering his people on. Yeah. Like, hey, you can do it. Come on. Like, it's going to be awesome. And everyone's kind of joyfully returning to work. I also do love the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former glory, which is essentially, it is essentially true that the temple that's rebuilt here and eventually um, remodeled by Herod, which, you know, Herod did mostly bad things, but, uh, he did that. Yeah. So cool. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, the temple is, it's much bigger. It's much more grand um, than even Solomon's temple. And Solomon's yeah. temple was not a, uh, uh, that was no slouch. No. <laughs> like it yeah. was a great, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful building, but this one's even more so. So good deal. Our next section is called ruling. This is in chapter two, verses 10 through 19. Uh, and this is the one that Aaron was speaking about when he, when he gave the quote of sin is more contagious than righteousness. Uh, this, this word is specifically to the priests. And it says, if someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with the fold of his bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, no. This is also a really weird. It's so, it's super weird. It's a, it's a, it's an odd dynamic of prophetic books where you never see the prophet says something and then the people answer. It's kind of like a question and answer thing. So it's, but I, I love how unique it is. Like yeah. Haggai is a really uniquely written prophetic book. Uh, then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with dead bodies touches any of these, does it become unclean? And the priests answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is, so is it with this people and the nation before me, declares the Lord, so that with every work of their hands and what they offer here, there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, before the stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. 
I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight, with mildew, and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, but boy, loves his dates, that Haggai. Uh, since He's the, probably a one on the Enneagram. Dude, <laughs> there you go. He just, I, I mean, here's the deal. I love the guy. I, when we get to heaven one day, I'm going to find Haggai. Give and him a big old Dude, hug. thank you for the dates. That's killer. Uh, since the day of that foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider... Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the oil tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. So it's kind of like a recap of like, hey, guys, let's not remember or let's not forget you broke covenant a lot. And so it's kind of talking through all these different things. And whether it's referencing the history of Israel, which it absolutely could be, or could, could even be referencing like some of the ways that they've got, even the people who have come back have gotten away from, you know, like I said, they're so excited to be back in their land that they didn't um, necessarily like just continue following uh, what God had commanded. He's reminding them of what they've done, how they've broken covenant, but he's telling them, you, we're in a season of blessing right now. And they're, they've clearly already repented. They're going back. Yeah. That was what the first oracle is about. So again, just a really encouraging, really encouraging book. Well, yeah. And I think there's also the nuance that Haggai presents in and calls them out. I mean, there's this loving encouragement that, hey, blessing is coming, you know, but there we're, we're going to be stepping into this next season of blessing. And again, it, it, you'll see again, and in, in throughout prophetic books in general, but even this, like some of the, the, the communication is meant to build on itself. Um, and so you do see this, like this confusing picture of if someone carries a holy meat in the fold of the garment touches it, like, is it unclean? No, it's not. Uh, but what else? Someone who's unclean because they touch a dead body. Yes, it becomes un- they become unclean, mm-hmm. um, and it is it is this picture, you know, as you know, my uh, my Old Testament survey book uh, would highlight a little bit this idea of like the people thought like they would build their homes close to the temple because they thought by proximity they became holier, but the reality is they actually profaned the temple because of their uncleanness. Like Haggai's mm-hmm. presenting to them the reality that. Your proximity to the temple does not matter when you don't uphold and do what, what God is asking you to do in regard to the temple. Um, it's that righteous living aspect. It's you can you can pretend to be righteous. And and what I love about what I love about the the Old Testament survey is it challenges, you know, the idea of picture of today. Like many people come to church thinking, as long as I am at church, I'm good. Uh, but the reality is um, we don't receive God's blessing just by coming to church. Again, it's that obedience filter. Are we obeying what God is asking us? It's that quote that I think is so cheesy, but you always hear like, uh, come to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car. Right. It's like, eh, or any yeah. other, or any, or any other like variants of that. But exactly. That's, that's the tension. Like you, to, to be clear there, the truth behind that is there. I just think it's like, it's good. It's it, super it was cheesy. said so much. I was just like, all right, I'm over this now. Yeah. But that, I mean, that is some of the picture. He's talking about blessing is coming, but we have to maintain and uphold from this day forward, obedience to my my provision, my will, my purposes. And th- the first one here for, the, for Haggai's people is rebuilding the temple. Prioritize the temple, get the house of the Lord in order, uh, live righteously, don't live in an unclean manner because you'll profane the temple that way. So that, that's kind of that nuance of that picture. Yep, there you go. All right, final section, reigning. Uh, this word is revi- is for Zerubbabel, him- Zerubbabel himself. So uh, these are the last f- few verses of Haggai. So we're about to wrap it up here. Yeah, it's just crazy. It says, it's such a short book. It's true. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai. And guess when? You don't have to guess because it's the 24th day <laughs> of the month. Uh, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, 
saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. So a similar message that was just given to the priest. And to overthrow the thrones of the kingdoms, I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms and the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down and every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So kind of just a cool um, <clears throat> reaffirmation of his calling, where you know, yeah. he's leading these people back in to Jerusalem. He's essentially ruling over the people in this way. He's in charge and God is just reminding him like, hey, listen, these nations that have been coming, and this is a thing that plagues the Israelites all throughout the post-exilic period. The, the nations are kind of coming against them. They don't want them to rebuild. He's saying, look, I'm shaking things up. They're not, they're not going to stand against you. Um, and I've chosen you for this task. So kind of like the, the book is just so encouraging. Yeah. Like even the rebukey part, is not like the mm-hmm. same tone as we've seen before. And then the rest of the oracles are essentially like, hey, now that you've now that you've repented, um, here's how we're here's how I'm gonna bless you. It's just a, it's just a beautiful picture of what of what Israel's relationship with God should have been. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that it really does seem to take generations and generations of sin. It's broken up by a few like good things that happen. But for the most part, the story of Kings and Chronicles is a story of Israel just slipping deeper and deeper yeah, into true. sin. Um, and now we're beginning to see the the rebound out of that, which I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the, and the other thing too, like that, that we've seen even in this past is like, and I actually, don't, I totally forgot this. I actually don't even remember if I remember or if I knew this. Um, Zerubbabel is a descendant of King David. So he's in that line. And so part of this call and reminder to Zerubbabel is, <clears throat> excuse me, is the the promise and hope of the coming Messiah. Like there's this allusion to it, although it's not direct where like we see in Zechariah or Malachi where there's a direct connection to the, the advent and the coming Messiah. But there is this, this, this beautiful hope-driven picture of Zerubbabel and he is the leader and God will reestablish the line of David as king and um, and then the hope of the coming Messiah, which is meant to come from the, 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 the line of David. Um, and I think that that's part of that tension you see in um, the the picture in the, of the temple, like the this the latter temple will have a better glory than the former temple. And right. there's the the tangible physical of of the temple being rebuilt, and it's going to have it's going to be more glorious than Solomon's. And Solomon's was again was no slouch, but there's also the the picture of the t- like we are the temple as the body of Christ, and there's that layer as well. But so there's just these illusions of the hope that exists for God's people. Uh, which again, and I agree with you where like the tone of this prophetic book is so different than, than the ones we've even read recently, uh, especially Nahum. But uh, I think it's, it's really fun just to see some of those things lining up where God has in mind from the very beginning of time, the redemption of humanity, the, the fulfilling of his promises. Um, and you see that even in the book of Haggai. Yep. So yeah, that's the book. Um, wonderful book basically about the restoration of relationship with God's mm-hmm. people. Uh, like we said, this when you read this one, also you're going to read Zechariah next. Just remember that these are kind of happening around the same time, so it's kind of a cool thing to be able to see two different prophetic ministries going around at the time. And then um, I'm assuming, as a, I haven't looked at the reading plan, but I'm guessing we're doing Malachi next, because that seems like it would be the next one. It makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to look at it. Stay but tuned. I'm sure at this point, I'm just committed. We're going to do, we're going <laughs> to finish it out. out the minor prophets. It's going to be awesome. 
Uh, and then next year we'll see, we'll see what the podcast looks like. It'll still be there. Don't worry, but we're trying to figure out what are, what are some ways we can shake it up a little bit. Bro, we're, we're only in August. Why That's are we talking true. about the end already? I know. We still have like five months left. As Ecclesiastes said, the end of a thing is better than the beginning, Aaron. So. All right. So <laughs> moving on to the Q and a portion. Uh, but before we do, just as a reminder, uh, please leave us a review on whatever device you're listening on or whatever podcast app you're listening on. Yeah. Uh, it helps get the, it helps get the podcast out there to more people. If you're listening on something that doesn't give reviews like Spotify, I know you don't live reviews or, um, live reviews. You don't leave. live reviews. You leave. don't leave reviews. Um, but Hey, you know, just download Apple podcasts and give it five stars yeah. and delete it. So that's all, that's all we ask. And, and here's the thing. I know, um, we're, I'm getting different people commenting and, and complimenting the podcast in person. Um, and I'm totally all for that. I appreciate the encouragement, but I would love for those of you who have told me or Evan verbally how much you love the podcast or the thoughts you get from the podcast. I would love for you to take a moment and even jump on, jump on, leave a review. Um, so other people, again, the whole purpose of reviews, five-star reviews is to continue to building the community of individuals who are reading and listening about the Bible together. And so that's the heart behind it. So I would love for you, if you are a local listener, uh, to take the 30 seconds to write a review on Apple Podcasts for us. So All right. thanks so much. So this question comes in and it's, it came in through email, like we said, and it says, my question is with the book of 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Why did the author put this message in about the raiders and the man that came to life in this chapter? It seems to me that when a dead person comes to life, there should be more written. Yeah, right. So there's a lot of the Bible is famous for this. Well, first we'll read the passage and we can talk about this a little bit. So this is the second Kings verses 20 through 21. Uh, so Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of this, of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. The, the one thing is like, this this just occurred to me as I was reading it. Uh, like, did he die? Because it's literally like, hey, there's raiders coming, throw him in this pit, and then he comes back to life. Like, is the reason there's nothing more written is because the raiders just killed him as they walked by, as they ri- well, had, by. Probably. I mean, either that or he was, he was being buried. So a man was being buried. So there's a dead body already being th- put in a grave. Right. That's what happened. So, so he was thrown in the grave that Elisha was. And for those of you who don't remember, Elisha was the... Um, successor of Elijah and was given a double mantle I mean, of what a, Elijah was able to do. With so. a name like Elisha, you have to succeed, succeed Elijah. Yes. You can't, I mean. Well, and I think, I remember we talked about Elijah and Elisha um, and Elisha, I mean, he, the, his, his prophetic journey and his prophetic ministry was double what Elijah's was. Right. As, and, the, and the miraculous and the supernatural, we, I remember we were talking about and we broke that all down. So anyways, yep. so, so that's who Elisha is. So talk about this for a little bit. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, this isn't something with an answer. It's, you know, it's, just a, it's a subjective thing as far as what you think. I will say um, the Bible is notorious for doing this where like there's something that sounds awesome yeah. and it's of passing thoughts. Like there's one where um, Ryan just showed me, there's like a trailer for like a movie that they're making out of this one thing, which looks kind of Uh-oh. fun, but uh, it was just, it's in judges. And then it says, oh, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but it's in so-and-so um, fought 600 Philistines single-handedly at the mountain pass and saved Israel. Moving on. Like that's just, that's all we get. So like, wait, yeah. hold the phone. Uh, I think it's, is it Abijah of the mighty men who kills like Goliath's brothers? who are also giants. Something like that. Like, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Um, and yeah, that whole thing is just like, yeah, you know, 
that ha- a lot of the stories involve David's mighty men. Yeah, where they just like and this and so and so like there's the famous one with um ah who's the guy who um. The, he jumped into a pit. Oh, Benaniah. Benaniah. I thought day, you were going there, but I wasn't the sure. Yeah. So there's that whole thing. That's just a verse as well. So the Bible does this all the time. Yeah. Um, so on, on one hand, we can kind of joke about like, hey, a little bit more detail would be great. Um, on the other hand, I think it is important to um, to think about, well, why would that be the case? And here's what I'll say. I think with the story of David's mighty men, most of those are brief because that's not who the story is about. Yeah. It's not about David's mighty man. It's really not even about David. It's about God's favor over Israel. And so part of his favor is saying these men were able to accomplish these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what we're seeing here is that the mantle of the Holy Spirit that was on Elisha, the empowerment that he had to do <clears throat> ministry, this final story is basically just showing how complete it was and how um, how much Elisha's ministry had been blessed by God. But because that's the point of the story, you wouldn't really include... And, and here's what happened to Steve after he came back to life. It's just kind of... That's not important to the story. So that's, that's what I would say. Like I said, there's no definitive answer yeah. as far as here's exactly why you wouldn't include that. But when, in, when we get to sections of the Bible where you read something and you think to yourself, wait, hold on, I want more details on that, but they're not given... I think it is important to kind of step back and think through, well, why why wouldn't those details be given? And then maybe it reveals in us that we're focusing on the thing that God doesn't want us to focus on. We're not making the main thing of the passage yeah. the main thing. Yeah, and I would totally agree. And I think it's and and, and I think we got to say this carefully because we're not at all trying to put the the, the hodas back on the you know the the question and the one who asked the question. Uh, because I mean, I say, yeah, right. Like I I, w- I want to know more too. Like oh yeah, for and, sure. And the reality is, like we live in a world. Um, I mean, the pro- the Pharisees were were guilty of this too, or they even challenged Jesus. Said, "Show us a sign," and Jesus is like, "What do I mean? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Jonah. I'm gonna be swallowed on the way. You know, I'm gonna be closed up for three days and come back alive." Like, uh, there's these pictures that, uh, if we're not careful, we are more convinced and concerned with the tangible um, proof, if you will, rather than the intent of the text. Um, and I think Evan, you, I think Evan, I agree with you, Evan. I think you said it, it uh, as, as well as you can, but I just think it's important. Um, while on one hand we want more information, more details, like right. I want, I want to know what was it like in the whale with Jonah, like, or the fish, sorry, the fish, the uh, great fish. But what, what was that like? I mean, I, I have the picture of Pinocchio, uh, where he's sitting in the whale in a boat with his, with his, with, uh, Geppetto, um, and it's this open cavern, <laughs> like, um, but it's it's not that. If it was a giant fish, like, there's not a lot of wiggle room in there. So um, it's just these pictures, I think, that sometimes we just want more information. And I've used this verse before, and I'll use it again and again and again. Um, but it's it's out of Proverbs, but it just says this idea that it's for the glory of a king to find out a matter, to search out a matter, but it's for the glory of God to conceal a matter. There are some things we just won't know because it robs us of the awe and the glory of God. Uh, when we find them out because it it satisfies our own scratching itch and interest versus understanding God at the end of the day, you're, you are to be glorified. And the simple fact that Elisha's bones revived a man means that your anointing means that your power was so upon Elisha that it could revive a dead man just by touching bones. It's insane to think about that, but 
That's just a big piece of it. Remind me, this could be completely false. Um, but when we were doing the Elijah, Elisha thing, because it's the the actual numbers of miracles is double, correct? Yes. That's reported. Yes. So, And this is the last one. Yes. So that is also a part of it as well, where it's kind of this double mantle thing that's happening. The amount of miracles that Elisha I does. Wish, I wish I remember what that number was, be, yeah. but I remember we talked about it. Like, And we, we got to where it was like we were one shy of being double. I want to say seven and 14, but I think I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to 13 and we were one shy. And then at the end of his life in, in 2 Kings chapter 13, all of a sudden we see this moment of, of a dead body being resurrected because of Elijah's, Elisha's bones. Right. And it's like, there it was. And so it was just really cool. Like, so that, that's a part of it too, like completion. God's fulfillment of his promise over Elisha was a double mantle, and he got that. Boom, there you go. Well, with that being said- It's a great question. Thanks for asking. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic question. Uh, thanks for listening, and that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. We are a resource of the Grove Church, but we're not the only resource. If you go on our website, grove.church, you can find all of our past messages, past podcast episodes, as well as our uh, blog called Life and Limb. I think, oh, I wrote it this week. So, hey, you know, if you want to read- Shocker. If you want to read some of that, you can log on there and check it out. Um, Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to financially support the ministry that the Grove Church does, you can also do that on our website. There's a gift button in the top right-hand corner. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great day. See ya.